Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment, let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. This week, Devin Snellgrove is finishing up our first of three series in the book of Philippians, and this one has been titled Philippians Unstoppable Gospel. Coming up on October 18th, we have our annual general meeting, and this is a time where we celebrate what God is doing at Southview, and then we look ahead to the future. The AGM is taking place on-site at the church, but it will be available online as well. And if you're a member, please register in advance so that we can set you up with the voting system. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint, and you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. Or you can go on Realm and join the group Southview Family Updates, and that will make sure that you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. If you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you, and you can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are, wherever we are, and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Sermon text, Philippians 1. 19 to 26. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what will happen to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body, convinced by this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome here. It's a great day to worship our great and mighty King together, don't you think? So today I actually get the privilege of wrapping up our Unstoppable Gospel series. Although we're going to continue on in Philippians over the next few weeks, we're going to be kicking into a new series as we look at the next chunk of Scripture and as we unpack it together. But I hope you've enjoyed this series as we've worked through it. I know it's been one of challenge and reminder and conviction for myself. But it's interesting because when I hear the word unstoppable, I often think of trains. Now, I know trains stop. Otherwise, it'd be really hard at train stations for people to get both on and off trains. It'd be a little chaotic. 
But when I think of trains and the fact that they're unstoppable, I think of the momentum, the power that they build over time and how it, as it moves, it's just this like mighty force moving through. So then as I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the gospel and how in a world that is broken like it is today, it is, it is moving in a mighty and powerful way and building momentum as time goes on and becomes more powerful. I think that's just a beautiful image of Jesus and the gospel in our lives here today. Now, last week, Greg did a wonderful job of sharing about the advancement of the gospel. And in some ways, his and my sermon go hand in hand together because they're right beside each other as well. But also the, like, the thought is continuing on in the section of scripture we're going to unpack together. But as Craig wrapped up last week, Paul shared about how he was encouraged by the advancement of the gospel. Even though Paul was in prison, even though he wasn't able to do the things that he wanted to do, he was encouraged by it because in him not doing it, other people were. And even though some might not have had the most pure intentions, he was just rejoicing at the fact that the gospel was being shared and Jesus' name was going out farther in the world. And I wanted to remind us of that just as we come into today's passage. So I just want to say thanks to our reader who read Philippians 1, 19 through 26. Um, did a great job. Really appreciate it. Today we're going to focus on just one verse. This one verse, it ties up everything that's being said. And it's also one that I think we could commit to memory. And that's Philippians 1, verse 21. It says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, for a large group of us, if you've ever read Philippians before, I bet you this verse probably stood out to you. It's one that, for me, as I read it, I'm like, oh, man, this is a good one. I want to commit it to memory. And then when I think about what that verse actually means, I'm like, oh, it's kind of a serious one. And Paul does a great job of just laying it all out in this verse. So we need to take time to unpack this verse properly. And that's why I wanted to focus just in on this one over our time together. And I have three points to help us unpack this verse to the best of our ability. First point is we need to understand Paul's hope for his future. Our second point is we need to understand how committed Paul is to the gospel. Thirdly, we need to be committed to boasting in Christ. So first, understanding Paul's hope for his future. Now, Craig touched on this a little bit last week, and as I'm sure you could tell as we've unpacked the book of Philippians, you can tell that Paul is someone that is fully committed. He's the kind of person that if you're like, hey, let's go get wings, he's going to be there 10 minutes early and already has an order of wings on the way so you guys can enjoy them together. That's the kind of person Paul is. He's like full in. He's completely committed. And so even though he's being held as a prisoner, even though he's awaiting a trial, he's still committed to the cause. He's still a part of it. And in reality, Paul's facing something kind of scary. Yes, he has this trial coming up, but there's also the potential that this could be the end of his time on earth. So while he's trapped in prison, not able to do the things that he wants to do fully, while he's waiting for this, this trial, this moment, 
he's still there. He's still rejoicing. He's still excited, and he's still on mission for the advancement of the gospel. See, what mattered most to Paul was that everyone else got to experience the same thing that he did. He experienced a renewed life with Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul wanted to share with other people. So he said it didn't matter. If he goes through this, he gets out of prison and he's back out in the world. He's living for Jesus. He's going out. He's going to new places, sharing about the good news. And if this is the end for him on earth, he's rejoicing with God in heaven. He's rejoicing with Jesus in heaven. So Paul looks at this as a complete win-win. And even though he doesn't fully know what his future is going to look like, he is hopeful because he knows no matter what, he's with Jesus, walking with him, trusting in him, learning from him, and sharing about him. Paul was very confident in his future. Now, second, we need to understand how committed Paul was to the gospel now, the short answer to that is he was very committed. We talked already about him being loyal. But he wasn't always on Team Jesus. In Acts chapter 9, he was, it talks about his time where he comes to know Christ. So this was a time when Paul was known as Saul. And he was the very person that a lot of Christians feared because he took part in arresting them, and getting them, like, going through trials, seeing executions. So people actually feared Saul during this time, and he was solely committed to it. And in fact, while he was traveling to Damascus, he had a letter with permission to arrest the Christians there as well. But while he was on that road, Jesus confronted him, blinds him, and says, go to Damascus, wait for a person named Ananias. He'll pray for you. So off he goes. They help the people that he's traveling with, help him into Damascus. He's there. God speaks to Ananias. And Ananias had all reason to be afraid of him. If he was following what he had in his hand, that letter, that permission to go do that, then and Ananias showed up, he could be arrested. But God said, no, go, go pray for him. Give him back his sight. So he did. He went and he prayed. And Paul's sight was restored. His name changed from Saul to Paul. And from that point forward, he was 100% completely and utterly committed to the work of the gospel. He's dedicated his entire life to it. He went from town to town. He talked to people about Jesus that would never have had a chance to hear about Jesus. And he did this fully committed, even in the hard times. I mean, in, during this letter, he's in prison. He's also experienced being beaten and being left for dead. Like, there were hard parts of his life, but he didn't care because he was fully committed to the gospel. Even in his hard times, he chose to worship God because he knew that even in death, Jesus had victory. And so he was committed. But let's get real for a moment here. And I wanted to share about myself. Uh, Paul is this very strong example of being fully committed to God. And yes, it, it's great, but I remember the first time I read Philippians. I remember the first time I came across verse 21. Like I said, it was like, yeah, I want to I wanna remember this. This is important. This is significant. But then a question came to my mind. That question was, am I committed to the gospel, even to death? 
Am I fully in? Now, in theory, yes. In theory, it's easy to understand that if you've experienced that transformation of salvation with, with Jesus, you're like, well, of course I am. But I had this like caveat of like, yeah, I would love that. As long as I live, you know, till I get married, till I have a family, till I pay off my school debt. Some of those are real. Last one was a little bit of a joke, but <laughs> every time I read Philippians, those dreams and hopes that I have, they, they continue as I complete them. You know, things I dream of now, I dream of having a house and having a yard to cut on a Saturday morning. And I don't know why. I don't even like chores, but I'm excited about cutting grass, apparently. <laughs> it's just kind of the way my brain works. It's like you get a house, you cut the grass, and it's going to be good. So that's just how I am. But even though there's these dreams and these hopes, every time I turn to Philippians and I read verse 21, my yes slowly becomes less shaky. You know, all those years ago when I first read it, it was like a yes, but. Now it's more like a uh, yes, I, I will do it no matter what, because I know with walking with God is better than walking without him. Now, Paul, he just has this unshaking yes, and he's fully committed. But that level of commitment takes a lot of faith. So if you were thinking on that question today, it's okay if it's that yes, but. We're in progress. We're working. We're growing in our walks with God. But Paul was one that was just fully committed to the gospel. He just was like, I'm in 100%. If there could be an extra percentage added, he was going for it. And this brings us to our third point. Our third point is that we need to be committed to boasting in Christ. Now, it's easy for us to look at this and go, that's kind of tough. You know, then I have to talk to people and... You know, like you might think, like, I don't really want to boast. I don't want to come across as arrogant or full of myself. But boasting in Christ is the exact opposite of that. Boasting in Christ is something that Paul did in every letter that he wrote, in every town that he walked in. He was just telling people about all the great things that God was doing. He was telling about all, all the great works that God was doing and people that he knew, people he interacted with in other cities. And he was talking about the miraculous transformation that you can have through Jesus Christ and his actions on the cross. See, boasting in Christ is something that we should be doing. It should be something we do every day in our, every interaction with every person. We should be talking about how great God is, the things he's doing in our lives, the things he's doing in our families' lives. But it's hard. I know here at Southview, we, we've worked towards trying to do that during our community lifetimes. We, we try to share ministry stories. And that's because we just want to highlight the work that God's doing here in Walden and the greater city of Calgary. So when you have God moments, don't shy away from it. Share them. Boast in Jesus' name. Those very stories are the things that can impact and change other people's lives. You don't need a Bible college degree to talk about what God's doing in your life. So let's look at application. How are we going to apply this? This one verse. Now, I've hinted at some. Yeah, we should be boasting in Christ, but I wanted to make it simple and give us one question. 
one question for us to reflect on. And that question is, will you allow the gospel to transform you? Will you allow the unstoppable gospel that Paul believed in so fully to transform and work in your life? See, Jesus, he, he lived a perfect life. Yet he went to the cross and he did it to bear our sin. And three days later, he rose, defeating sin, defeating death, creating that opportunity for us to be a part of the kingdom of God. And not just a part of it as like a random person in the kingdom, but God's very children. Now, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journeys with God. If I did, that would be scary, I'm sure. But for some of us, this gospel might be a newer thing or something that like, you've heard of. That's why you're here, you're listening, but you're not fully in yet. And if that is you, please know that Jesus died on the cross for your sin just as much as he did for mine. And he, he's ready to welcome you into the kingdom, to welcome you as a child of God. Now, for us that are, are here listening and learning, you're like, I already have salvation. I've already had that transformation. I want to challenge you. I want to push you a little bit. And don't worry, I already challenged and pushed myself, and I'm going to talk about how I'm not quite there yet in a second. But ask yourself, how is this gospel continuing to transform your life? So the gospel isn't a one-and-done thing. Yes, you have that moment where you come to Jesus and you have salvation, and that's beautiful. But then there's that continuous work that continues to happen in your life. That work towards becoming righteous, working towards holiness, and God will reveal things in you. So ask yourself, how is the gospel transforming your marriage? How is the gospel transforming your time at work? How is it transforming how you treat your kids, your family, your friends, the people that you hate? How is the gospel transforming you in those areas? I love being honest, so full honesty, as I already hinted at, a few months ago I realized that I had stopped asking myself that question. And as I did, I was assessing my life and I said, okay, God, how are you transforming? And the answer was it was a lot less than I was hoping for. It takes active thought, active reflection. It takes prayer. It takes work. But it's worth it. So as I've reflected on my life this week, preparing for this message, I thought about a few things. I've been married for four years, but I'm not a perfect husband yet. Don't think I ever will be. I've been in ministry for nine years, but I'm not a perfect pastor. And I'm sure lots of you could say, yeah, we know. <laughs> and we've lived in our place for almost four years now. And I'll be honest, I'm introverted. People scare me. And so talking to my neighbors about, about Jesus is intimidating for me. But things I've started doing, I've started praying, God, Help me be a better husband. Help me be a better pastor. Help me share about you to my neighbors and the people around me. And keep transforming me. Because I know I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. 
So will you take part in the work of the unstoppable gospel? Will you reflect on whether or not it's transforming and working in your life? And will you deal with the stuff that needs work? Because that is solely up to you to work on that stuff. So maybe you're here and you're ready to accept Jesus into your life. And you're like, it's time for me to start this journey of transformation. I'm ready. If that's you, that's great. Maybe you're listening to this and you realize that there's areas in your life that need work. And you're like, okay, I need to start working on this. That's awesome. I'm glad you've reflected. You've seen some things. God's clearly showing you some stuff that needs to be worked on. But reflection is just a part of the process. I'm going to push you again. Take it one step farther. Tell someone. Tell someone that you're ready to commit your life to God or tell someone about the stuff that you're dealing with, that you're working with. I mean, if you're already in a small group, a great group of people to tell, your small group. You know they already care about you. You know they already love you. You're already doing life with them. Talk to them about it. Or if you're here and you're like, I came with a friend, talk to your friend about it. If you don't have a friend here, guess what? We're all a part of the body of Christ. We're all able to listen. We're all able to pray for each other. So grab someone beside you after the service and say, hey, can you pray with me? And then if they ask you, don't say no. Because that defeats the whole purpose of being the body of Christ. So we can hold each other up and encourage each other as we move on in our walks with God. Now, if that is too intimidating, and I understand, there's people here that have lanyards, and we would love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you. So if, you, if you're too nervous to say it, to grab someone beside you, come find one of us, and we'll pray with you. There's lots of us out there in the cardo after the service that have lanyards. We're more than happy to do that. But don't let the sun... Okay, the sun already went down. That's not a good analogy. Don't let yourself go to sleep tonight <laughs> without dealing with this. Take that step. It's worth it. So let's follow in Paul's example and be fully committed to the gospel. Let's boast in Jesus' name. And let's do it all the time. And I bet you'd be surprised at the work that it'll do in your families, in your life, in your local communities, in the city of Calgary, and then out into the world. Because as this unstoppable gospel keeps gaining momentum, it just gets more powerful and more powerful. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for, you for all that you've done, that you gave your son on the cross, that he died there for us, that he rose defeating sin, welcoming us into your kingdom, giving us fr freedom from the sin in our lives. And God, I pray that we would be people that reflect, people that take action, and that we lean into this community and we just help each other grow more in our relationships with you, Father. Pray this in your great and heavenly name. Amen. Now, before we come to the table, we're going to actually have a time of corporate confession. So what that means is we'll have words come up on the screen. There's bolded text. That's what, something we're going to read all together. And then the unbolded text, I'll read for us. But before we do that, 
I wanted to give us just a moment of silence, a moment of time where you could just pause and reflect. And if God's bringing anything to you at this moment, have a short little quiet prayer. Give it up to God. Then after a little bit, I'll lead us in to that prayer together. So take a moment now. Let's pray together this corporate prayer. Compassionate God, we pray for your mercy for all those times when we swim against the current of your heart, when we turn away from the anguish of your beloved creation. Give us your grace. When we let the big picture overshadow the near, small, and local, when we sacrifice the well-being of the whole, when our Righteousness creates barriers rather than openings. Give us your grace. When our structures, practices, traditions blind us to you, when our despair or fear of exhaustion, anger, or willfulness deafen us to your voice, give us your grace. When the lures of security, personal gain, and comfort distract us from your oath, when guilt, a sense of inadequacy, bitterness, or resentment separates us from you, give us your grace. Give us your grace to turn and return again and again to you, to say yes to the new possibilities you offer each day, to come home to you. Give us your grace. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. So as we come to the table now, as our high point of the service, we can do so freely, knowing that this bread is the body of Christ, broken for us. Knowing that this very cup is his blood poured out for us, forgiving us of the very sins that we just prayed for, and so much more. So let's grab our cups together, peel back that top layer, and just hang on to your bread for a second. God, we thank you for what we are about to receive, this spiritual food. 
May this just serve as a reminder and may it work in us each and every day. This is his body broken for us. Let's take and eat. And then peel back that next layer. And this is his blood poured out for us, giving us forgiveness from our sins and welcoming us into the kingdom of God. Let us take this together. So thank you for joining us today. And although this time is coming to a close, our time of worship isn't. We can be in community out in the Cardo together. And I encourage you, grab a coffee, take time to connect with someone. Whether you know them or you don't, we're all the body of Christ. We can all celebrate in community together. So would you stand as I share a word of benediction? I want to just reread Philippians 1, verse 21 for us. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Father, may these words of Paul be words we keep close to our hearts. As we go out into our weeks, we pray for the opportunities to take part in the work of your gospel. May you give us the courage we need to boast in Christ's name. We do all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week. Go in peace.